We're in James chapter 1, verse 19 through 27. And uh, as we look at this, the, so again, the idea that James could just be a book of random wisdom and advice that James is giving or uh, possibly giving you know, some main sermon topics that he's going through, that's a legitimate idea, just kind of like a, a New Testament book of wisdom. But I think what we're looking at this is that James is addressing a specific group of people and is addressing a specific problem they're facing and giving them some practical advice on how to overcome living like the world uh, and, and rising up and becoming mature spiritual Christians and living like Christ would want them to at this time in history. Uh, as we've mentioned before, uh, this is probably written around 45 A.D. Up to, to the people that have gone up into Syria. Uh, they fled Jerusalem. They're under uh, financial oppression, <coughs> social rejection, and they're in a position where they uh, have to somehow retaliate it, or, or grow. And it's not surprising to think that these people, the Jews, they're coming out of the fourth generation. Between 30 and 70 A.D. is their final generation before they're overrun by the Romans. So things are deteriorating in their culture, the culture they fled from, and they're fleeing to a northern culture into Syria, uh, which is also going to be overrun by the Romans. And so their culture, way of behaving, the way they, they behave in their world, their culture, is not Christian. They may be Jewish, they may be religious, and that's going to come up right here, re- pure religion. They're, they're, they may be religious, they may be committed to God, they may have their commitment to their religious system, but that religious system sometimes is very worldly. In fact, you can see it with the disciples on a couple times where James and John want to call fire out of heaven and consume the Samaritans. Or Peter draws a sword and cuts off the high priest's servant's ear. I mean, these people, uh, one of the disciples was a zealot himself, and the zealots have a, a splinter group called the Sakari, called the Daggermen, because they were trained assassins. Uh, they became active, according to Josephus, around 54 A.D., and so they, this, this whole book, 45 A.D., is, is a group of people that is becoming more and more violent in their culture as they fight with, uh, amongst themselves. We've talked about even uh, in Jerusalem when it does fall, and, and the Ro- when Rome gets there uh, in 66 A.D. in Jerusalem, there's already three s- factions of Jews fighting each other, burning each other's food. I mean, these are not uh, Gentiles fighting Jews. These are Jews fighting Jews. Uh, you ca- for me, what's important about this book of James is how pertinent it could be for us. And this is why I'm teaching it. This is why I'm, I'm studying it. And this is why, as I go through these points today, uh, these are things that I need to learn in America in 2023 because we are in the last 40 years. We're in the final generation of American history, as you know, before the culture completely collapses between 2000 and 2040. According, again, that's my projection. That's not thus saith the Lord, but we're on that pattern and we're, we're, we're collapsing. And so our way, my way of living is in the world. And I've got a, I live in the world. I've been trained by the world. I respond like the world. And this book is calling me to a higher standard. Now we think about, well, yeah, but we're Christians. We're a Christian nation. Our Christian nation has been drifting. Even the churches have been drifting. You can see them compromising, uh, going along with the world. Now, we're not being critical. This is just the way the world works. The, the Jews that have accepted Christ, and they've been persecuted, and they've gone up into Syria at 45 A.D., they're believers in the Messiah, 
but they're fully Jewish in their thinking, so they're very religious, but their religion has deteriorated into the groups of the Sadducees, the Pharisees, you've got the priests, you've got the Zealots, you've got the Herodians. They're all fighting amongst each other, and they're all fighting for God's cause. This is, again, a warning <coughs> for myself when, when, you, when you go out in the name of God. You know, I'm going to fight for God's cause. And James, right here, is going to be telling you how to live life and some of these things as i read them and look at them it's like i agree with that that's true but at this time in history it's time to take a stand it's time to stand up and fight back we've got to push back it's like well james is at the same time he's in 45 a.d uh they're at a time where their culture is declining in fact they've had a flee they've had to flee their homeland because of persecution from their home people It'd be like the conservatives persecuting the liberals or the liberals persecuting the Democrats, and now you've got a civil war on your hand. That's what's breaking out in Jerusalem. These people are the result, the first groups that have fled Jerusalem because of the persecution and the political climate they're in. And what is the natural response? If you're being pursued or persecuted economically or socially rejected, your reaction is, we're going to fight back. We're going to fight fire with fire. I mean, it it makes sense to me. You see, I mean, it makes sense. If they've got talk shows that are saying these things, where we're going to start talk shows and and blast them back, and we're going to proclaim the truth. And and again, there's a place where you've got to get out there and proclaim the truth. Uh, And you can't be totally uh, just, you know, non-confrontational, because as soon as you go that way, you look at the book of James, the book of James itself is confrontational because he's confronting the church. He's not saying, oh, let's all just get along. We'll all be fine. I just want to say nice things to you. He's aggressively commanding the church, aggressively calling them names, saying you are wrong, you're filthy, you're, you're, you're filled up with this kind of behavior. You need to be over here. It's like, whoa, whoa, James, let's not use this verbal violence. It's like, well, he's not, okay, so it's like, Every time there's a confrontation doesn't mean, well, that's you're verbally being violent. You're being verbally abusive. You're, you're being aggressive. It's like, well, somewhere there's a place where you're going to have to confront, but then there's a line where you've crossed and you've now into sin. And James isn't, the book of James, his letter itself is not sinful, but yet he's talking about people being too aggressive verbally or physically. Uh, and so where does that line so, I mean, that's, that's that, that wisdom, and if, it, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who will give it to you generously. So this is not just be pacifist and just, you know, whatever happens, happens. You're going to have to somehow confront the culture with the truth, but you can't become violent or verbally abusive, and that's what James is dealing with right here. Um. So I've got these things written down here on the first notes of that first thing I've just said right here, uh, that first bullet point, is uh, the believers are not to choose the ways of the world, vengeance, wrath, anger, verbal uh, slander. Instead, they're to choose the ways of God, which is wisdom, the spiritual, following, following the Spirit of God, righteous faith. And these are the first fruits. In fact, the last verse we looked at last week, verse 18, talked about the first fruits, that these, you are the first fruits of the kingdom of god and you're supposed to be producing these things now this is our our lifestyle our way of living our standard of righteousness is from the age to come this is a classic example where your eschatology determines your behavior today because we're going to the kingdom of god because we are children of god and this is what god is conform or forming us into being 
we should be living that way. It's not like, well, someday we're going to go into the kingdom of God and then we'll be righteous. But until that point, we're going to, you know, fight like the world and be like the world. It's like, well, no, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And now since you are there, let's start seeing some fruit of that maturity now today. That is the power of the resurrection or the power of the life of God is here in this dead age, this age of the cosmos, we can live life we can live above the ways of this world and the problem is it's not something that is natural because we're of this age we want to live like this age but if you can somehow begin to tap into that resurrection life and start living righteously you're going to begin to transform your world with the life that you have that is the life of god living in you and and good things are going to happen now uh, the three things that we see today, chapter, and we're only going to get through the first, there's three sections here. Chapter 1, verse 19 through 27. The first section, verses 19 through 21, is about speech, it's words and anger. It's about saying things that you shouldn't say, and we'll talk about that. And again, it's not just good advice on conversation. These are some points of conversation. If you want to be a good Christian conversationalist, these are some things you should apply. It's not like, it's not a proverb. These are things that they're failing to do. The next is going to be the deeds. And of course, that's a nice bumper sticker. You know, that's a great verse to have on your refrigerator. But it's in context of coming right out of chapter 1, verses 2 through 18, where he's been laying down the foundation of this. These are now three things they need to do. Your speech, your deeds, and chapter 1, verses 26 through 27, he's going to talk about pure religion. And what's interesting about this is he's talking to religious people. They're Christians. Now, again, the word Christian is just being, you know, you can read it, and it was used in Antioch in the book of Acts. So to call these people Christians, that may be a term they're unfamiliar with. They're, they're Jews that are following the Messiah. They've, they, they've accepted the Messiah. So they're the Torah, the law, Judaism, and now the Jewish Messiah. This is the, the group. Now, again, Eventually, they're going to be called, known as Christians in Antioch. We see the book of Acts. But that's right around this time period uh, where this, that's all going to be starting. So these people really, the word Christian may not even be something they're familiar with, or it may be a very new term, may even be a derogatory term that they're used being called uh, at that time. But nonetheless, they are what we'd say Christians, church people, but they're probably in a Jewish setting. My point, P- what God considers pure religion they are truly religious people. They, they're Jews, so they've got Judaism is part of their nature, the part of their culture, and they've accepted the Messiah. But as we know, as we, I mentioned, and you, gotta, you don't have to agree with me, but their religion, Judaism, has got off track. In fact, Judaism just rejected the Messiah. Judaism just rejected the prophecies that they've been waiting for fulfillment. They rejected the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Herodians, the Zealots. All these people were at some level committed to Judaism, committed to the temple. So they were religious. They were religious and followed God. But it was not pure religion. They were religious. In fact, their religion 
maybe made them fight back against the Romans, maybe wanted them to destroy any kind of opposition. Uh, some of their heroes just a century and a half before this was Judas Maccabeus. The, the Maccabees had, had fought the Seleucid soldiers. They'd reestablished temple worship, helped establish Israel as a nation again, uh, as an independent nation, and they had done it with war. They had done it with acts of violence and defending the people of God. Finally, they just stood up and fought back, and God delivered them. So that's their history. It, 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 again, I, I, I'm not trying to make, take cheap shots or pot shots or set a stage, but it's kind of like the American Revolution set the stage for what we are today, and we've got to continue to fight for freedom. And it's like, admit, yes, okay, well, these people, the Maccabees, had fought for freedom, driven off the opposition, and now the Romans were back in. And, well, what, is it time to stop fighting for freedom as a nation? It's like, so, well, yeah, here's the Messiah. Well, the Messiah is, sounds like he's not really looking for a war. He's not really being in confrontation with the Romans. Would Judas Maccabeus have accepted the Messiah? I don't think so. I think the Messiah is too passive, or Jesus is too passive. Jesus needs to be set aside, otherwise we're gonna, we got to, you know, I mean, how would you play this out politically? Because Jesus didn't come and say, you know, I'm going to be the next Judas Maccabeus. Now, he's, he indicates he's going to someday in the future, but right now, he's, he's going to the cross. It's like, how's that help anybody? <laughs> I mean, how's that help the nation? And Jesus, he says about the temple, there's not going to be one stone left upon another. It's like, Judas Maccabeus, and they, they fought to get this back. And Herod helped get this built, and we're becoming, we're, we're like a, a people. Jesus says, no, you've rejected me, and I'm rejecting you. And it's like, and then he goes away. And now they're in their fourth generation, and they're heading towards destruction by the Romans. And now these Jews, who are very religious, James is saying, pure religion is going to be being merciful and compassionate. This is what we're looking for. But they're being religious. And you can hear there's going to be like, you know, uh, hotheads that are going to be Jews that have become believers, and they're going to be, uh, you know, even of that ideal of conf- conf- confrontation with the Romans, and they're in the churches, they're in the synagogues with the believers, and they may be pastors, they may be church leaders, they may be good people that are committed to the Messiah, the Old Testament prophecies, and they're saying, it's time to stand up and fight. We're going through the book of Zechariah on Tuesday nights. And when Jesus, the Messiah, comes back, it's, it's repeated through those chapters, the Jews are going to fight alongside the Messiah. I mean, the house of David, the house of Judah, northern Israel and Samaria and Judah, they're going to be fighting, and they're going to drive the Gentiles out. It's like, it's in the Scriptures. Well, let's, let's do it. It's like, and James says, no, no, that's not pure religion. I mean, how do you know when the time is right. I mean, the Messiah is going to come back. Uh, he, he, in righteousness, he makes war. That's the Messiah. That's, that's revelation. But yet, in righteousness, he went to the cross and told Peter to put his sword away. I mean, do you understand how this can become very confusing? And for these people right here, you can see how some of them are Jews. They've accepted the Messiah. And Jesus says he'll be back. Now, we know he didn't mean that next year. Why do we know that? Because it's 2023. It's been 2,000 years. He doesn't mean he's going to be back before 70 AD. We all know that. They didn't know that. I mean, we're looking back, oh, that's ridiculous. Why would they be fighting thinking the Messiah's on their side? 
their last question before he ascends into heaven is, are you at this time? Okay, you did this whole death, dying on the cross, resurrection. Okay, now, are you at this time going to restore Israel? Are you at this time going to rebuild the nation and make it a world power? And he doesn't say, no, that's a stupid question. We're never going to do that. He says, it's not for you to know the times or season. What you're to do right now is go into all the nations and proclaim the gospel, which leaves open the idea that not yet. I'm not yet going to restore Israel and become a world power. You're going to go to all the nations at this time. So it's easy now for us in church history to look back and say, see, the disciples were to take the gospel to the whole world. Jesus will someday come back. But like even us, we're like thinking, well, it's close. I mean, the political events happening in America right now and around the world, Ukraine, you know what's going on in China, what's going on in the Middle East. It's like, ah, Jesus is coming soon. It, we're right there on the, in fact, James is going to write, the judge is standing at the door. He's going to write that, meaning you just hold your ground and do what's right because the judge is standing at the door. Oh, so we're close? At, at, yeah, as far as I know, we're close, but we're still waiting. So again, this is, I, I don't want to make this sound uh, simple. And in one sense, it is simple. But yet on another hand, even today, how are you going to apply this when you see evil advancing in our culture you could just say well it's the world and evil's going to exist and we're just going to hunker down shut the doors pull the blinds and stay in the house it's like well yeah but you're supposed to go out into the world so you're going to go out and proclaim jesus christ to the world well just i, I saw the, a video this week uh in arizona a school board member rejecting uh a, an agreement a contract they've got with a christian school they had a teacher uh, was it a, like a, a student teacher, someone coming in from a, a Christian school? What, what's that? Kids coming okay. And, and, and the school board member says, we can't have an affiliation with this Christian college because their, their values, this is plainly on the first page, their, their values are Jesus, and to bring the message of Jesus to the world they're clearly, this Christian college is clearly bent on proselytizing or evangelizing or reaching out and confronting our people, our culture. And we are open to all people. And there's like four of them were transgender on the school board. They themselves were transgender woman, whatever, whatever they were with. They had wearing little rat, what, cat ears. I mean, it's like, they thought, I don't know what that meant. I mean, it's like, <laughs> which is fun. i mean it's like what ah uh but they're clearly it's like we, and, and they voted yeah we cannot be associated with this christian college anymore because this christian college is clearly not accepting our values in fact their intentions are to come in here and teach our people don't be like this be like jesus and so they but yeah we yeah we can't have that and so, I mean, our very nature, our very go into all the world with the gospel, and the gospel is not just Jesus loves you. The gospel is you are a sinner rejected by God, and only through Jesus Christ's work on the cross can you be accepted by God. So you're going to have to confront your sin, confess that you are a sinner, and in need of salvation, which is available through Jesus Christ. That's not God loves you as you are. 
No, God has condemned all of you the way you are. But through Jesus, you can have access to the Father and be accepted because of Jesus, who will then begin to transform you into the image of Jesus. And I'm not talking about transforming the cat lady at the school board. I'm talking about transforming me into the image of Jesus. It's not like, yeah, now the cat lady needs to change. It's like this whole, this whole book is about me, even as a Bible teacher, being a Christian since the 70s, saying, whoa, I think I'm missing some of these things. I need to humbly accept the word implanted in me and renew my mind. And that's the, that's the gospel, and it goes all the way to the end. Even Paul says, now that I've fully obtained all these things. So I guess as I look at these things, uh, we'll, we'll read through. This is James' advice to the believers in Syria, 45 A.D., whose culture was declining, who their own people had rejected them on religious reasons, and their tendency is, we're going to fight back. We're going to fight fire with fire. I don't think that's not an assumption. That's not like, well, you think that this church may have been, or the synagogue, these Jews, may have been wound up tight. They're coming out of Jerusalem, coming out of Judea. The Romans are there, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Herodians, the Zealots, the Sakari. And they're, the, they're the, the result of the Judas Maccabean or the Maccabean revolt. And now they're out of their country being oppressed by their own people. It's like, how much more are we going to take? We are the people of God. That is our temple. We've accepted the Messiah. They've rejected the Messiah. We've accepted the Messiah. It's time for us to push back. We need to fight fire with fire. No longer are we going to be oppressed here in the workplace. No longer are we going to be rejected by society. We're going to stand up and fight for our rights. This is what great rock and roll was all about in the 70s, and now it's, that's morphed into something else. But nonetheless, uh, you know, it's time for the revolution or the revolutionary war. And James saying, whoa, 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 no. That was not the message. That was not the point. Now, with that being said, and again, that's a long introduction. But I'm going to read James in the NIV. And then in, the, in your notes, you've got the English Standard Version. Uh, and I think, I'm not going to read verses 1 through 18 or uh, 2 through 18, but I am fully convinced, and I, you don't have to agree with me, that that's setting the stage for that very conversation I've been having and now James is going to give them one, two, three areas you need to work on. These are, this is, he said all those things in chapter 1, uh, verse, I'll begin in verse 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Now that's important because that is their, their salvation. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. You, they've been born again through the word. So they are Christians. That we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. You have been born again. Now what he wants you to do is start producing the first fruits of the coming age, the coming kingdom age. Start doing that now. And since you're born again, and he mentions first fruits, here's three of them right here. My dear brothers, Take note of this, and this is the first section, speech, words, and anger. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, 
slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Now, can you hear that? God desires a righteous life, so we're going to start burning this stuff down. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're not, no, no, you're not going to produce the righteous life that God requires with your anger. So, no, you cannot be a Sakari, you cannot be a zealot. No, you're not going to fight the Romans. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent. See that word, so prevalent? We'll look at that. Meaning it's not like, so if you have any moral filth or any kind of evil uh, in, your, in your life, uh, look around. It's like, no, this stuff is prevalent. When it says filth and evil, we'll talk about that. But that is, that would be that ideal of, of fighting back like the world. It's, it's filthy in the sense of, it's worldly it's not god's nature you're going of the way of the world and he says it's prevalent i mean meaning your church is bent on using man's anger to accomplish god's righteousness and it is prevalent stop teaching this and instead humbly accept the word planted in you now notice right there that in, in verse 18 the word they've been a new and living word they were born it gave them new birth now it says it's planted in them the word now you need to accept it humbly accept it which can save you or save your soul that's the second phase of salvation so phase one was verse 18 you've already received the word you've been born of the word now you're into phase two folks you need to accept that word you need to stop fighting like a jewish zealot and you need to understand this word that you've accepted, humble yourself. I'm talking about to me. I need to humble myself. So I, well, that's the way I fight. That's the way I live my life. When you push, I push back. That's just the way, that's the, way the world works. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That filth, let's temper that down. You need to humbly accept the truth planted in you. And that's the world's truth. You haven't accepted the word of God's truth. It's like, well, 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 and you're going to have to humble. You're going to say, that's not the way God wants me to do it. Now, again, that, we'll see what they're saying. Okay, that's, that's the first one, speech and words. Now, the next one, deeds, verse 22 through 25. Do not merely listen to the word and, so be de- and deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So this word that you're going to accept, now that you've heard it, you need to remember it and start doing this word. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law, and again, that would be the perfect law. Notice that would be that ideal of the Torah. And again, now when he says looks into the perfect law, he can't be talking about the book of Thessalonians or Romans or Corinthians or Revelation. You know why? Uh, they're not written yet. I mean, Paul has not even written the Galatians yet. The Galatian situation hasn't even happened yet. So he, when he says, look into, the, uh, look into the perfect law that gives you freedom, he can't be talking about the New Testament. Uh, maybe you're going to have, uh, even if the earliest you know, I, I'm saying the book of Matthew is written down 48 A.D. I mean, Luke's not written until after Acts, or excuse me, until right before Acts. So, I mean, and, and John's not written until the 90s, 85, 90 A.D. Uh, Mark is going to be written after Peter dies. 
you know, there's the story of the Gospels there, but Mark, if Mark is Peter's account written after Peter dies, that's 64 A.D. I mean, the Gospels aren't even written down yet. And if anything, Matthew's just being recorded. Again, and that's all debatable. But, uh, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, will be blessed in what he does. You're going to be blessed in this mission if you do it according to the perfect law that gives freedom. If anyone considers himself, that's, that's this one, your deeds. You've got to hear the word and start doing it. And now right here, this pure religion. And remember, they're religious people. If anyone considers himself religious, and that would be everyone in this, in this conversation, everyone thinks they're religious. Okay, well, let's talk about your religion. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. If you can't do this right here, if you're down here, say, I'm religious, but we're going to burn this down. Well, I'm religious, but we're going to fight back. I'm religious, but that's not the way they're going to treat us. Okay, your religion is worthless. Yeah, but that's what the Jews believe. That's what Judaism teaches. Okay, then Judaism is worthless well that's what christianity teaches that's in our church that's what we believe well then your religion is worthless if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue he deceives himself and his religion is worthless verse 27 religion that god our father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows that would be to be merciful and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And that would be compassion. Completed by, polluted by the world. If we go back to uh, getting rid of the filthiness that is so prevalent, that's the idea here of, of them going after, following the world system in their confrontation with evil, their confrontation with oppression. They take more of the world and go back at it. You're using the world system, which is filthiness. It, it, it's the way the world does it. It's not righteousness. And it's like, to do this, instead of going off and fighting fire with fire, don't, don't follow the world's filthiness. Be compassion. Do not be affected. If you're going to be pure religion, you're going to, it says right here, look after orphans and widows, show mercy, and in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world you're going to have to speak and act without being polluted by the filthiness of the world which wants you to fight fire with fire you say something bad about me i'm going to say something bad about you you do something violent to me you oppress me financially i'm going to make sure you pay for it that no instead you're going to have to be this would be the opposite of that would be some kind of compassion so right here i think james has given them three things and we look in the notes right here uh, top of page one, the theme of chapter one, two through 18 is followed now with three points of application of the Christian conduct. One is speech and words. Two is going to be deeds. And three is going to be a religion. Your religion is going to have to be merciful and full of compassion. And that's, that, again, that is in introducing three points. And that's not like, okay, now we're done with this and we're going to go on to the rest of the book. He's going to continue to talk about this this is the issue. You've got to stop saying, speaking violence. You've got to stop talking and doing things that are violent. And your religion is going to have to be 
pure like God wants, you're going to have to be merciful and compassion, which means you're not going to get to fight fire with fire. You can't go out and burn down whatever you think is oppressing you. You're going to have to somehow show them compassion. It, it, it's, it's like, what? Now, how hard is that, and how, how do you even do that? And that goes right back to the beginning of chapter 1. If you lack wisdom, ask God. If he's telling you, humbly accept the word planted in you and start doing these things, these are the first fruits. It's like, I don't even understand how I can do this. Well, ask God for wisdom, because this is what he's going to start producing. This is the fruit. How is this going to happen? Well, this will save your soul, and it will transform your society. Plus, if, if they reject it, it is still your living and preparing for uh, what is coming, the eschatological age that is coming. This is the first fruits. Now, on your notes, part one, we're going to look at this today, the first part, uh, words and anger. Chapter, James chapter 1, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Remember, this comes right after verse 18, talking about the first fruits that you're to be producing because of the word. You've been born again by the word. Now start producing the fruits. So know this, my brothers. And again, he calls them beloved brothers. He's not evangelizing them. They are his people. You, we are brothers, not just Jews, but they are believers in the Messiah together. They're brothers. They're Christians. But they're not acting like a mature Christian. Now, they're acting just like a Christian who's gotten saved and is still thinking like the world. I mean, it's like a person. Yeah, that's what's so scary about, uh, if you want to call them seeker churches or startup churches or uh, uh, celebrity churches, is you live like the world your entire life. You've been programmed by the world. You've been trained in public education or whatever it is. And now you've accepted Jesus Christ. So you know this much. You know that you're a sinner. Jesus Christ died for your sins. And now you have fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. And there are some things that you, you, you've repented of. But the, the word of God is full of God's wisdom, full of God's revelation. And, and you're going to have to sit down and, and have some, so you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to have your mind renewed. You're going to have to spend some time in the word. You can't just go out and start proclaiming it. Because maybe, here it is, what you understood was I, was I was a sinner, God accepted me like I am, and took me, and now I'm a child of God. So now, what we need to do is accept each other as we are, and love each other. Because God accepts us as we are, there's no room for judgment. There's no room for being judgmental. Because God accepts us just like we are. So, everyone is welcome. Well, what about the... And then you name some, it's like God accepts us as we are and we need to accommodate and meet these people where they're at so they don't feel ostracized, so they, they feel like they belong. It's like, wait, 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 that, that's not the gospel. <laughs> the gospel is everyone is wrong. You've got to come to God through Christ and then you're going to have to begin to be transformed into his image, which is a lifetime process because I know in my own self, so many things I think and I evaluate the world through are tainted because of my experience in the world, the way I've learned to live in the world, and it's not what the Bible says. It's like James, the James right here is a classic example. I'm being challenged by the book of James because that's not how I do things. 
If you push me, I'm going to push you back. Don't mess with me. You got that? All right. Let's go back to learning the Word of God. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like, is that what the Bible's teaching? So, know this, my beloved brothers. And again, he calls them brothers. They've got a lot of work to do. And he gives them three things. In this first part, this first part that we're talking about, what we say, anger, uh, we'll just say violent words. This is, the, this is their problem. They, they have violent words. He's going to tell them three things in this first section, and they are this. Be quick, my dear brothers, be quick to hear. That's the first thing, be quick to hear. The second, slow to speak. And then, slow to anger, to become angry. So this first one, it deals with words and anger or violent words. How do you fix this? Right here. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now, first of all, this would be a great place to branch off into uh, great points on good conversation skills. When you are in a group of people, you're at a party, you're all hanging out after work, the first thing in a good conversation is you need to be quick to hear. You need to go ahead and shut a little bit and listen and get some information about what, and don't just be, don't just be listening to have something to say. Listen to understand what the person is saying. Write that down. These are three good points on personal skills as a Christian. Uh, I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's saying uh, you need to be quick to hear, what, but he doesn't say, what are you listening to? And I wrote this down right here. If you look on page two there, uh, quick to hear, what are they to listen to? And my numbering got off. I forgot to indent there. But what are they to, what are, quick to hear, quick to hear what? Quick, quick to listen to each other, quick to listen to James's letter, quick to listen to the gospel, quick to listen to the Torah, quick to listen to wisdom, or quick to listen to the implanted word of chapter one, verse 21. That's coming up here. Uh, chapter one, verse 21 quick to hear the word uh, it doesn't say what it does say what are you supposed to be quick to listen to are you supposed to be your 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 boss that's oppressing you financially at work and that's what's happening here they're they're being oppressed in their places of employment they've, they've fled their country so they don't have like great careers they're like day laborers workers and they're working in fields and they're not getting paid what they should be getting paid they're being used and so now they're getting mad we're going to burn the field down because we're not getting paid what we should get paid so are they quick to listen to their boss and explain his position? Uh, I think probably quick to listen is they're supposed to be listening to the word here because he's going to end this section by uh, humbling yourself uh, and receiving the word that was planted in you. you you've, the, you've been born of the word. Now you need to hear that word that's planted in you. You need to hear the truth. This is what's going to transform your life. If you'll hear this, then you can do this, slow to speak. You have nothing to say to these people. They're oppressing me. I'm not getting treated right. I'm going to, you're not going to say anything. Because anger here is going to be three parts. You're going to have anger in your heart. You see, anger, slow to anger. Well, what do you mean, slow to anger? Slow to burn their field down. 
which comes after saying and getting up a rebellion started, which comes from a heart that's angry. So your heart, your words, and then your deeds. So when it says slow to anger, are we talking about slow to do angry deeds? Yeah, but before, how are you going to be slow to do angry deeds? You're going to be slow to say angry words. Okay, well, I'm still angry. Okay, so let's be slow to get angry in your heart. So if we go backwards, slow to be angry in your heart. So stop speaking the anger in your heart and start hearing potentially something that you're supposed to be listening to. Uh, quick to listen. Everybody else in the office lounge complain about the boss. Uh, everybody else out in the fields during break time saying we ought to burn this place down. We're not getting paid what we deserve. Yeah, we should be quick to hear them talk. I don't think that's what he's referring to. Quick to listen to the boss. Not, not in this context. Probably listen to something that's going to transform your soul. Listen to the word of truth that was planted in you that can now save your soul with truth and then be slow to speak the anger that is in your heart and slow this anger down. Start controlling what's in your heart so you stop saying these stupid things and start listening to the word of God. So here it is. I mean... Uh, Know this, my beloved brothers, fellow believers, we're all struggling here. Every person should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So let's get rid of this anger, slow this down, hear some truth, and stop saying these things that you should not be saying. Uh, The next line, chapter 1, verse 20. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So this anger, slow to become angry, if it's from your heart, your words, or your deed, whatever you think you're doing here, I'm thinking like the world, I'm going to fight fire with fire. Whatever you think, I'm doing this for God, I'm a religious person, I'm committed to the Messiah, I come right out of Jerusalem, I used to worship in the temple, and now we're up here being oppressed by our own people, being oppressed by the Romans, culture's going there, oppressing our workers, no one's getting paid their fair wages, I am going to now strike back, I'm angry, I'm talking about it, I'm not listening to this stuff about be patient and slow, I'm going to take action, in fact, I've got a couple friends that are Sakari, trained assassins and we're going to start taking action and we're going to start being like judas maccabeus and we're going to fight the solutions which came right out of the same land of the syrians and we're going to establish the kingdom of god whoa 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 man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of god i'm fighting for the righteousness of god you've got a talk radio show i'm fighting for the righteousness of god are you or are you just stirring up anger now i'm not i'm not being belittling anybody because Somewhere there's that line of you've got to proclaim the truth. And like James, James is being very confrontational. Uh, James would be a great guest on the, uh, uh, you know, the Joe Rogan podcast. I mean, can you imagine James talking to some podcast and him explaining these things and how radical it could be? It's like, and he would be calling for some major change. He's calling for major change. So he himself is being confrontational. Uh, some would even say divisive because he's telling these people they're not good enough. I mean, they're Jews under persecution, under economic oppression, living in a foreign land. And you think James could cut him a little slack, say, I sympathize with you. You've had to flee your country. You're not getting paid your fair wages. Your families are suffering. I guess we should just go to God in prayer and ask that 
he give you some good things and, and this oppression stops. It's like, wait, wait, wait. He begins his letter, consider it all joy, friends, that you're under oppression. This is a chance for you to grow. Because this is the kind of stuff that produces maturity. This is the kind of stuff that produces, this kind of oppression causes you to rise up and produce the fruit of the Spirit, the character that God wants from mature Christians. No way am I going to pray that God deliver you from this. I'm going to tell you this. If you're going to go to God in prayer, you ask for wisdom on how to live in this situation. Because great things are happening. The salvation of your soul. It's like, but if you're going to have your soul saved, you're going to have to shut up, stop saying violent words, stop talking about burning down their fields, start, stop complaining about each other, because man's wrath is not going to produce the righteousness of God that we're all talking about. We're all God's people wanting to produce the righteousness of God, so let's go burn down the fields. It's like, no. You're in a good place. You need to cool your jets and accept, humbly accept the word of God that has been implanted in. You've been born again. It's there. You need to shut your mouth, shut down your attitude, and let that word start transforming your life. And you're like, I I don't understand that. Right. If you're lacking wisdom, ask God. So the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's what this is all. This right here. You're not, you're not going the right, this is not producing the first fruits. Anger is not going to produce the first fruits of righteousness. And that, that, that next verse there, chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, because that's the case, oh, I've got to go back and read some verses. Chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, because this is the case, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because this anger does not produce God's righteousness. Man's anger does not produce what God's will is trying to accomplish. What he's called you for is not going to come out of this anger. Therefore, so what do we do? Right here, I agree with this, but what do I do? Galen, what does Galen do? How how do, well, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Now, first of all, the ideal of rampant or is abounding or so prevalent this filthiness and this wickedness are deep within this group of people. They're deep within myself. The, the filthiness would be worldliness. That's the idea. Filthiness in the sense that the corrupt world, you're, it, it's, it's sinful. It's got the wrong answer. It's, it's going into darkness. So I'm going to go become dark like the world and fight the world with more darkness. That would be the... Put away that filthiness. Put away that line of thinking. Renew your mind and stop thinking like the world. And wickedness, and again, it talks about uh, uh, is so prevalent. Meaning this is not like, there might be a hint of this. It's like this is what your church is being driven by worldly thinking and wicked behavior, which is opposite of righteousness. Anger of man would be wickedness trying to produce the righteousness of God. You're becoming more and more wicked, becoming more and more worldly, trying to produce more of God's righteousness. It's like, no, put that away. Therefore, put away filthiness and rampant wickedness, and here it is, receive with meekness the implanted word. Now, interestingly, once again, the implanted word was already mentioned in verse 18 that it was, it was, they were born by this word. 
And so now that seed of the word produced their newness of life. That seed, seed still remains, but it's implanted in them. It's like now it just needs to grow. Receive the word of God that is implanted in you. Watch this, which is able to save your soul. See, we're talking here about a soul that is not saved. But yet he calls them brothers. So now we're right back into the three phases of salvation. Phase one, in the past, you were justified. Your spirit was saved. You received the life of God and are seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm a Christian. Okay. But you still think like the world. You're still wicked. You're still filthy. You have not been sanctified. You still are, I'm going to heaven when I die, but I'm going to live in the world just like the world. You need to be transformed. That's going to be sanctification, the renewing of your mind. Uh, be transformed. Uh, do not conform, but be transformed. And this is, you can see it right here. Because he's already, in verse 18, they've already been born of the word. Now they're to receive with meekness the word implanted in them. It's in you, but you're fighting it. You're thinking, I wanna, I'm going to live like the world. Well, this word wants to transform me in the image of Jesus Christ. I don't have time for that. I'm going to get trampled on by the world. We're already being oppressed in the fields. Well, so I don't have time. Well, now you're right back to a double-minded man should not think he'll receive anything from God. I am a Christian. I'm born again. I'm following the Messiah. But I'm going to go out there and burn that field down because we're not getting paid our wages. I thought you were born again. I am. Born of the word. Have you received the implanted word with meekness? I don't have time for that. We got to burn down a field. It's like, so you're born again? Yes, I am. I'm born of the word. I'm going to go burn the field down. Okay, a double-minded man, you're not going to receive anything from God. You've got to be in the word. You've got to, in meekness, humbly accept that word and let it transform you. Yeah, but the field needs burning. It's like, you, you stop looking at the field and start being transformed. But now, if you keep your eye on this, like right here, where that second point I got to erase that's coming up next week. Uh, you look in the mirror and then you look away and forget what you looked like. It's like you keep looking at the mirror, but what about the field? Keep looking here and you'll be transformed. But you look in the mirror and as soon as you go out and go, oh, I got to burn this field down, it's like you forgot what you look like. You're, you're, I'm going to produce the first fruits. I'm in the kingdom of God. I'm waiting for the Messiah to come and set up his kingdom. I'm going to start producing your first fruits. Oh, that field needs burned. And you're going to go over here, it's like, well, you forgot what you looked like. And you're, you're not going to go anywhere. You're, you're just dead in the water. And how many Christians are born again, but totally ignorant, out burning fields? Or whatever the issue is, they're not quick to listen to the word. They're not slow to speak what they're going to think about, what their violence are going to do. They're angry in their heart, angry in their words, angry in their deeds. And they're all doing it for God. They're doing it all for God but you're not going to produce any of the righteousness. <clears throat> okay, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Uh, we'll get a look at part two next time. I want to go back to page two, and I hope this works. And this is one of those things where, uh, I don't know, a trained speaker maybe would not do. Or a good Bible teacher maybe wouldn't do. But I've got to prove the point with what we've said. I don't think James is going to go to chapter 2 and say, now let's talk about you know, some other issue. 
I think he's, this is the issue. The issue starts off in the ch- chapter 1, verse 2, the trials. And the trials are there for your growth. If you don't understand it, ask God for wisdom. Then he tells them, you know, don't be double-minded. Accept the word, that's it, and you've been born again. Start producing first fruits. He gives them these three things. I want to go to chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 12. We'll read that. And heck, we'll go, from cha- we'll go all the way up to chapter 4, verse 12. Yeah, we're basically going to read the book of James. And then uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. <clears throat> and I'll be reading in the NIV, since I don't have the English Standard Notes here. But with that being said, these again, we under- I, I shouldn't repeat it, because we understand these people have fled Jerusalem under persecution from the Jews who've rejected the Messiah. They've accepted the Messiah, so they're living north in Syria. Now they're in other territory, uh, foreigners, probably working just menial jobs, minimum wage, if even that, probably not getting paid their wages, and they're under stress. They're socially rejected. They're economically oppressed. And James begins the book by saying, well, we're going to pray for you. No, he says, congratulations, consider it all joy. You need to pray and ask God for wisdom to understand how to use this situation to grow and produce maturity in life. You don't need wealth. You need Christian maturity. You need to produce the first, you need first fruits of the coming kingdom. You don't need wealth. It's like, well, they, they don't understand that. And so here's these verses, chapter 3, verses 1. I'm going to read chapter 3, up to chapter 4, verse 12. And, and here, if you can, is this still in line of thinking? Is, is this sound familiar? Chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers. <laughs> Meaning, there's probably some hotheads teaching that it's like, you should not be teaching until you know what you're talking about because you sound like you work for the zealots or the sicarii. You know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. You're going to get this whole church into some kind of a revolution, civil war with the Herodians or the Romans, and uh, that's not even their purpose. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put the bits into mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. So right there he says, first of all, none of you teachers are perfect. You all need to be need to improve i would say the same thing about myself or take ships for example although they are so large and are driven by strong winds they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go likewise the tongue is a small part of the body but it makes great boast consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark the tongue also is a fire a world of evil among the parts of the body it corrupts the whole person sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell so if you're a teacher you're going to be judged more quickly and if you're a teacher you should realize none of us are perfect in everything we say your tongue is set on fire itself by hell it's set on fire by your own sin nature. So at any moment, you could spring off and start calling for revolt or whatever it is, and you feel compassion, you feel passionate about it, but that passion is right back there, the anger of man, and you're trying to lead the church in righteousness, and you just set a whole field on fire. All kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. Yes, we're praising the Lord and Father. And with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Let's go burn down their field. 
Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. See the double-minded man again. My brothers, this should not be. Praise God and stay there and keep growing in the truth and get that tongue under control. Again, we just read that the wickedness and corruption is prevalent in this church. And the, the corruption is we're oppressed, we're going to fight back. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? In one moment, you're praising God in church. And the next moment, you're burning down someone's field or calling for their field to be burned down or whatever the example. My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life. Now there, we just got done talking about words. Now we're into deeds. You're wise and understanding. Let's see it in your life. By deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. In other words, ask God. I don't understand this. Well, ask God for wisdom. And when you have that wisdom, you'll learn how to produce these good deeds that are following God. And it's not over here burning down the field or whatever the worldly thing is. But if you harbor, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. In other words, we want you doing good things, but if in your heart, and we can see it in your teaching, you are looking for your bitterness, or you've got self-promotion, or you've got your own agenda, don't, don't. Everybody can see that you're not teaching the Word of God, you're teaching your own agenda. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. You're not uh, proclaiming the word of God, the revelation of God. It's not coming from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. You're just speaking right out of a heart that is in line with the world, the, the flesh, and Satan himself, calling for action that is not even godly. It's man's anger. For where you have envy and selfish ambition... There you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from uh, heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, raise a harvest of righteousness. So there's your list of first fruits right there. A pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere, and peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Now, God, man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God, but now peacemakers who are practicing these things are going to now produce a harvest. Now you are producing in this age the righteousness of God. But what about the evil man's field? You're not going to produce the righteousness of God by burning it down, but you will be if you're going to be pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, and you're going to let that word transform you. You'll be able to produce good fruit. You'll be impartial in your judgments. You'll be sincere, and you're going to be spreading peace, and it's going to spread just like yeast spreads through a loaf of bread. You're going to start spreading this, you know, uh, what do you think of that song, uh, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. Pass it on. Remember that song? I mean, uh, it got kind of corny there real fast, but maybe that was a great song. Okay. Now, what causes, chapter 4, verse 1, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Now, again, within the church. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You want higher wages, but you don't get it. You kill and covet. I mean, that guy's got a nice field. He's got a better crop. So now I covet what he's got, and I'm going to kill him. I'm going to burn his field. 
yet you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So you just want to have what he's got so you can have a good life now too? Or do you actually want to grow spiritually? Well, I want what he's got because he's got the good life. I want to have a good life like that too. It's like, well, you're asking for the wrong motive. God wants you to grow spiritually. He's more interested in your trials and you growing spiritually than you having your trials resolved and having the good life now. Like you can live like the wicked man and have everything you want. You adulterous people, meaning you'd rather have the world than grow maturely. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Well, I want my best life now. You adulterous people. God wants you to have your best life in Christ. But I want to have my best life in the world. It's like, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. You want to go over there and burn that field down and covet and kill that guy and take it and say, ah, now I've got the good life? Well, now you become an enemy of God. You're, done gro- you're now on the opposite side of where you thought you'd be. Or do you think the scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, it talks about us being separated from God, still able to come to him. Uh, Verse 11, brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor then chapter 5 verse 1 through 6 there's i'm going to quit but there's a warning there now listen you rich people he now maybe i will read it now he's talking to the rich people weep and wail because of the misery that is coming up on you you're having your best life now but understand friendship with the world is you become an enemy of god the misery is coming upon you your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes well not yet well, it's just the, everything rots. Everything gets eaten. Nothing lasts. So the very fact that you haven't seen it rot yet doesn't mean it's not rotting. It's, it's decaying right now. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. Sounds like some eternal judgment. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay, the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty, kind of like the cries of the slaves in Egypt. God is going to show up. In other words, deliverance is coming. These people are putting up with it because God has told them, you grow in these trials, but you're the one producing these trials for these people. They're growing. You're going to be destroyed, and God is coming to deliver his people. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. So by the fact that they were oppressing people in their their place of work, they were murdering and destroying people, families, individuals, and it's like it's going to come back and they're going to have to pay a price. So that's a call for the, the wealthy at that point. I'll quit and pray and then we'll pick up the next two points here next week that james is uh wrapping up chapter one with father do thank you for the chance to look into these things we thank you for your word we do ask that we would humble ourselves and let this word transform us and we do ask for wisdom that you would reveal to us how we can apply these things in our own lives and navigate our way through the the areas of where do we push back and stand up for what is christian and uh, and help uh, avoid evil but how do we also at the same time not become confrontational in an ugly evil way father we do ask that you continue to lead and guide each one of us that we may produce a life of righteousness at this time in history in our nation in jesus name we pray amen thank you for your time